Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We're honored that you're here, and we pray that you find this message both encouraging and inspiring. Jersey Sunday. Now, here's the real question. Who, who has the jersey with the person who's going to get the most fantasy points this season? Oh, they said Justin Herbert in the back. Day, who you think? You think it's me? You think it's me? This is why I bought this jersey. This is the only reason I bought this jersey is because he's on my fantasy team. And I need him to get me a quick 50 points today, okay? So y'all be praying because I'm in a league with people at the church and I cannot, I, can, I will not be able to withstand their trash talk um, come next week. We will have to have something done about that. But so glad you're here this morning. This is part two of our series, Not Just Stories. Um, how many of you guys enjoyed last week? Were you here? Hope you listen to it online. Oh, got a little applause there. <laughs> Jesus. You guys are the you guys are like the 10 or 12 members in my fan club. So I'm gonna give y'all a t-shirt or something after. Thank you for that. I'm gonna read to you a couple passages of scripture today. I'm gonna start with the passage in 2 Corinthians that we read last week. And then we are going to go to a passage in Luke. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 7, go to verse 18. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Through it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shined with the glory of God even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect to see far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared to the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious. How much more glorious is the new which remains? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Listen to this. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory of God, even though it was even destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, when, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same veil covers their minds, and they cannot understand truth. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. Some translations, better translations, say this veil can only be removed by seeing Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But when, one, when someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have that veil, 
removed, we can see the glory of God. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Amen. Luke 9. Luke 9. Read a few verses there. Some eight days. We're going to start in verse 28. Amelia, I think I gave you the wrong. There we go. Everybody give it up for Amelia back there on the screens this morning. Just killing the game. Some eight days after these, this is when they're going to the Mount of Transfiguration. I want you to pay very, very, very close attention here. Some eight days after these, he took along Peter, John, and James, and they went up to the mountain to pray. While he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. This is Jesus. And behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah who appearing in glory was speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep, and when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As they were leaving, this is the part I want you to get. As they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was saying this, this is so important, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them. And they were afraid as they entered the crowd. The cloud, sorry. Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son. Listen to him. And when that voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and reported to no one in those days of any of the things which they had seen. I want to read that one more time. Let us make three tabernacles. One for you speaking to Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. It says Peter did not realize what he was saying. A cloud appears, they're caught up in the cloud, and the voice from heaven comes down and says, no, this is my son Jesus, Listen to him. Father, I pray this morning that we would see you in your glory. See you for who you really are. There's nobody like you. Nobody beside you. We want to see you. Remove the veil from our faces so that we can see you and be transformed in your glorious image. Amen. Amen. Um, if you have your sermon notes, there. if you don't have your sermon notes, there's some in the lobby. Uh, know if Jamie's in here to pass some out if you have them. If not, you can go onto our website and we have them digitally on our website. And so you'll be able to fill those out there as well and you'll be able to follow along with the sermon. You get the same notes as I have. I preach from the same exact notes as you're about to get. Um, I know last week we started out with a 
couple things, and I want to continue along that same pattern. Um, we said last week, when reading the Bible, there are some questions that you have to ask. If you don't ask the Bible questions, you really never get answers that you may be looking for. And so, when reading the Bible, here's number one for you. Ask these questions. Ask these questions. When reading the Bible, ask these questions. The first question that you need to ask, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Where is he at? How many of you ever read the Old Testament before and you're like, I don't see Jesus here anywhere? I can't find him. The glorious thing about that is, is that he's there. We just don't do the work of finding him. That's why we've had so many people translate the Old Testament incorrectly as it pertains to the person of Jesus. And you have almost a God in the Old Testament and a God in the New Testament who are completely different. Anybody tracking this morning? You read the Old Testament and it seems different than the God in the New Testament. But that is not the case. Jesus is also found in the Old Testament everywhere. You just have to see him before you can even read what's happening rightly. Right? So, where is Jesus? In the hard text, do you ask the question, where is Jesus? Or do you just look over it? It's like, I'll come back to that. Until you learn to ask the Bible and ask the question, where is Jesus? When you read hard text, you will never see him for who he really is. You will always, you will always have a preconceived notion of who Jesus is. And revelation will never come to you the way that Jesus would like it to. And it's only through him. If you have revelation about God that is apart from Jesus, you do not have revelation about God. If it's, a, if it's separated from the person of Jesus, you do not have revelation about God. You may have insights to an idol that you've created, but it's not God. And so when you read the hard text, can you go into text where it only seems like there are ashes and find beauty? Can you go to text where it seems really, 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 really hard to see good and find Jesus in the, in the text? The next thing that you should ask when reading the Bible and you get a revelation of something, how does this provoke me in love and good deed? How does this provoke me in love and good deed? A revelation about the Bible that does not provoke you in love and good deed, love for God and good deed towards others, is not a revelation of Jesus. If it does not create something on the inside you that makes you want to see Jesus more and more frequently, more often, and to treat your neighbor the way that he treated people in the scriptures... You have not seen Jesus yet. You need to keep reading. Does what I just read, does it provoke me in love and good deed? The two, loving God and loving your neighbor, cannot be separated. 
We have created almost in the church, we have created, you, you ever heard, how many of you ever heard the old dating analogy growing up? You two, it's you and whoever you're supposed to marry, specifically the one, right? Whoever you're supposed to marry. Y'all were on the two bottom corners of a triangle and God's at the top. Y'all have heard this. Don't lie. And as you grow closer to God, you also will grow closer to each other. We've taken that analogy and we've inserted it everywhere in our Christian life. I'm not saying that that's all wrong, but the kingdom of God is not a triangle. It's not you separated from your neighbor and God. It's a circle where you all dwell together. Loving God and loving neighbor cannot be separated from each other. You do not have a walk with God apart from your neighbor. That's going to mess with some of you. You don't. If you have a walk with God apart from your neighbor, you're probably in some strange form of idolatry. You, being commissioned by Jesus also means that you are participating in the mission of Jesus. Being connected to God means you're connected to humanity because that's where he is. Is that good this morning, y'all? Y'all okay? Hang on to your seat. It gets better. Your love for Jesus does matter. Your life with God that you are cultivating, it does matter. But if it's separated from humanity, it is not what you are called to. It is not what you were called to. You may have been told that, but go back and read the Gospels of Jesus. Go back and read the Gospels of Jesus. Yes, Jesus goes away to pray. Yes, that's true. That's absolutely true. He also is among humans every time he's not away praying. There is an element to your walk with God. But your walk with God separated from others becomes something very, very strange. Becomes very weird. You ever hear those people that have, they're like, I have a new revelation. That's always very concerning to me. I have a brand new revelation. It's brand new. So you mean in 2,000 years, there's not been a single human ever think about what you're about to say. It's brand new. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun, but you have a brand new revelation. Wrong-o. It's almost Christmas season, and that's a Grinch quote. It's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. It's hilarious. I think Beckham is going to be a baby Grinch for Halloween this year. He has the hair for it. I don't know if y'all have ever seen him fresh off a nap. But he looks like baby Grinch. He's sick. Y'all need to be praying for him. Isn't it funny how babies, they're sick, but they don't know they're sick. So they're just as like wild. And then you give them medicine. And then that just makes them wild and delusional. 
Your love for God does matter. Your life with God does matter. Listen, this is what we've tried to do, though. We've tried to say this. This is what we've tried to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And we've tried to make those in, like they're in order. They're not in order. Right? And people will say, well, that's the first greatest commandment, and then that's the second greatest commandment. So there is an order. Here's the problem. If you wait till do number one, you'll never do number two. Because as you are, you can never love God perfectly. If you wait to do number two, you have missed Jesus in the face of your neighbor. Sometimes an encounter with God looks like feeding the poor. Sometimes an encounter with God looks like going and paying someone's bills who can't. It looks like being in the face of those who are hurting and caring for them. Jesus said this, the way that you cared for them, you did it to me. You did it to me. So if you want to go find Jesus, go find him in the face of the least of these. If you're having trouble having an encounter with God by yourself, go to the least of these. He is there among them. That's where he dwells. Among the outcast, among the broken, among the hurting, and among, among the forgotten about people. That's where God dwells. That's where he stays. And if you want to go find him because you can't find him on your own, it may be that he's hiding from you in their face. And you won't go to them and look for them. Look for him so you'll never find him. I know people who say that they have a super deep walk with God. But then don't show up to serve days. Moving on. Here's the next question you need to ask. What am I missing? What am I missing? When, when you read the Bible, ask this question. What am I missing in this story? Let me ask you this question. Please do not raise your hand because I'm going to disagree with it. I just want to give you some thought. How many of you would sit here and say, I read a verse in the Bible... 10, 20 years ago. And I still think about that verse the exact same as I do today. Do not raise your hand. Please don't. Don't do that. Almost always our initial readings of Scripture are wrong. They're wrong. They do not... It, there's not a focus on Jesus. You are reading it as it is. Jesus is always hidden humbly beneath the text. Especially in the Old Testament. He's always hidden in there. So the way that you read Moses two, three, four years ago, you need to go back and try to read him different. You need to read him looking for Jesus. There's always, there's always almost more Almost always more than what you initially see. Scripture is insearchable. 
It has depths that has no end. You can find Jesus everywhere, in every text, in every story. When you see Jesus in the stories that he's hard to be found in, that's when transformation begins to happen into your heart. Because most of the time, our readings of Jesus, our readings of God, are not in alignment with Jesus. And you cannot read God and discount Jesus. You cannot read the word of God and say Jesus is separated from this. It will never work. You'll be confused. How many of you ever read the Old Testament and were confused? Yes, you're confused. What in the world is that? There's literally a story in the Bible where these little kids make fun of a prophet. He calls bears out of the woods to eat them. That's in there. It's there. One of my favorite translations is that in the message translation. You need to go read that in the message translation. It says something like, those little kids looked at, I think it was Elijah. They look at Elijah and they say, what's up, old ball head? That's what the message translation says. And he calls bears out of the woods to eat them. Tough, tough, tough little Johnny. Don't be insulting the prophet. You know? You need to ask, what are you reading? And what am I missing? And where is Jesus? Moving on. Mistakes that we make when reading the Bible. Mistakes that we make when reading the Bible. Kind of the same order as last week. And then we're going to change it up on point three. We make Jesus a character, but not the main character. We make Jesus a character in the story, but not the main character of the story. Until you make Jesus the main character of every story that you read in the Bible, you will always see him with a veil over your eyes. You will always see him the way Moses saw him. With a veil over your eyes. Not in fullness. You will always see him with a glory that isn't Jesus' glory. You'll see Moses' glory. But I'm not trying to be Moses. I'm not trying to be like Moses. I'm trying to be like Jesus. I don't need to read the scriptures and see Moses. I need to see Jesus. And until Jesus becomes the main character in the stories that we read, you will always miss him. He cannot play. He is not Robin to Batman. You are not Batman and he is not Robin. You are not, you are not the main character in the story and him playing the background. That is not what this is. This is not about you. It's not about your identity. It's not about how fiery you can be in worship. It's not about all of that stuff. This is about Jesus. And anything that is identified in that category that is not related to Jesus is false. It will fall. It is not sustainable. 
your identity, your walk with God, your prayer life, your worship life, all of that separated from Jesus is nothing. It means nothing. Jesus is the main character in our stories. Second mistake we make, we compare others to Jesus. We compare other people to Jesus. We compare other characters in the Bible to Jesus. How many times have you done this? Oh, this is just like Jesus. It's not. Jesus is the better version of every person that you read in the Old Testament. He is the better version. You know that song that we sang? You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. You know that song that we sang? We don't really mean that, though. We just sing that. We do have rivals with Jesus in our hearts. And we do hold people equal to him in our hearts. A lot of times, the rival that you have created with the rivalry that you've created with Jesus is with yourself. You've elevated your life above his. And if you continue to do that, this is what the scripture says. This is so powerful. This is what the scripture says. Jesus is t talking to the disciples. He says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. Your life is only found in him. It is not the triangle, you, neighbor, God. It's not it. You are in him and he is in you. And if you try to discover who you are apart from that, you will miss it. And if the focus is, who am I supposed to be? You've already missed it. If you ask the question, what is my identity in Christ? You've missed it. You're asking the wrong question. The question is, who is Jesus? And when you find out who Jesus is, when you see Christ, Paul says, you undergo a process of transformation into his glorious image. You are being transformed into the image of Jesus. Not your most authentic self. You are being transformed into the image of Christ. His most authentic self. And that is a painful transformation when you've made this whole thing about you. Awful quiet this morning. Jake, say amen, dude. Say amen. You, that's what I'm talking about. The truth is, the reality is, is Jesus doesn't have rivals. He doesn't have equals. He's not in a competition. That is the truth. But you have to ask the question, why is that the case? The first reason is, is that he conquered all of our imperfections with his perfection. That's the first truth. 
The second reason that he doesn't have a rival or an equal is because he not only did he conquer our hearts and our humanity, but he also conquered all of the things that we believed falsely about him. He conquered our incorrect beliefs about him. So he doesn't have a rival. He doesn't have an equal. He doesn't have a theological dilemma. He doesn't. Jesus is perfect theology. He is the image of the invisible God. I think one of our problems is in the American churches, we're, up, we're still obsessed with the glories of Moses. And we get bored looking at Jesus. We need a burning bush. God gave Moses a burning bush because he didn't see Jesus. The burning bush was never plan A. Moses has a burning bush. You have broken people. Because God didn't put his image in a bush. He put his image in you. He created you in his image. Not a bush. And Moses could not see the image of God even in Pharaoh. We're still obsessed with Moses' glories. And John chapter 1 is clear. We were obsessed with the glories of Moses. And Jesus came and wrapped himself in flesh and said, I am the glory of God that you have been praying for. Go read John chapter 1. I am the glory of God. Jesus is the glory of God. Not the cloud by day and the fire by night. Jesus. And also, Jesus is not the cloud. And he's not the fire. And I'll show you that in a minute. The second thing that we do is, we do what Peter did on the mountain of transfiguration. We build shrines. We build shrines to Moses and Elijah. We should never build a shrine to Moses and Elijah. You building a shrine to Moses and Elijah is just you telling on yourself that you have not seen Jesus yet. Because Jesus is better than both Moses and Elijah. You know what? You, you may not build, a, you may not build a, a shrine to Moses or Elijah. But you'll build a shrine to your old ways of thinking. And what you'll do is, is Jesus will be calling you and you'll get in his presence. And you'll say, but I was taught this. And I was taught this. And I was taught this over here. And I want to be sure that those things over there, they are honored too. And God says, no. No. You do not honor those things because they are not worthy of honor. They created you, created in you 
unchristlikeness. It baffles me that people honor things that did not form them into the image of Jesus. You do not have to honor things that aren't Christ. Now I know in the charismatic world we have a hyper honor culture. You're supposed to honor everything. Jesus says that you shouldn't. If you are building something that is not Christ-like and you are trying to mix it together with Jesus, that is still not what this is about. It is Christ and Christ alone. It is Jesus and Him alone. And beside Him there is no other. Not Moses, not Elijah, not Adam, not you. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. You know what they call this in the theological world? They call this Christological thinking. What we've done in the charismatic community is we've preached a hyper version of anthropology, which means the study of ourselves as it relates to God, and we've called it Christology. Christology has nothing to do with you. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it has everything to do with Jesus. Because you are in him. And he is in you. And he is the main character of this story. And if you go looking for yourself before you look for him, you will miss it. But we build shrines to old ways of thinking. We build shrines to ministries that impacted us. If it did not produce Jesus in you, do not honor it. We love the people. And the people probably didn't mean to do what they did. And there is redemption for them and there is grace for them and there is a way for them to move forward to. And nobody probably had the intentions of forming you into something that wasn't like Jesus and they were probably doing their best too. But good intentions is not the purpose of this. I'm all about a good intention. Most people have good intentions. Most people have good intentions. That doesn't mean it forms you into the image of Jesus. And I don't want to be formed into a way that looks less like Jesus. And when I go get before God, I start bringing out my idols and my shrines that I've built. And I'll say, well, I heard this here from this preacher. And I heard this here from this preacher. And I heard this here from this preacher. That is what Peter was doing. He says, but Moses taught us this. And Elijah taught us this. And God says, I don't care what they taught you. Listen to my son. But we'll build shrines and we'll build idols. And we will be formed into an almost Christ-like image. Which is not Christ-like. If you have a mixture between Moses and Elijah and Jesus, you do not have Jesus. You have a mixture between Moses and Elijah and Jesus. 
And Jesus is not taking second place to anyone. And he's not taking a back seat to anyone. And he's not sharing his glory with Moses and Elijah. People who think about God incorrectly aren't bad people. They aren't bad people. Don't slander them. Don't make them feel like trash. But also, don't compromise a beautiful image of Jesus because they need to feel like what they had was sacred. If you have something sacred that you hold in your heart about Jesus, lay it at his feet before you build an idol out of it. Lay it at his feet. One of my favorite songs right now in the Christian culture is one we did this morning. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaking, I've never been so glad. I put my faith in Jesus. He'll never let me down. He won't. <laughs> um, that's, I've got joy and chaos peaks that makes no sense. Right? And then, it, and then the, I think it's called the bridge. Rain came, wind blew. My house was built on you. Sometimes, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, if you don't know this about me, I have an excellent memory. <laughs> it's not like I'm riding around listening to that. Right now, I'm on an 80s rock kick. And I've been listening to Separate Ways by Journey. One day, love will find you and break those chains that bind you. One day, love will find you and break those chains that bind you. Do I need to, do I need to preach a sermon just on that? I'll never forget the night we touched and went our separate ways. Come on. That's what you call Christological thinking. You find Jesus everywhere. Anyways. One of my favorite things about that song is rain came, wind blew, my house was built on you. If everything that you believe about God is not built on the foundation of Jesus, it will blow away. It will blow away. And sometimes life will just blow it away. Sometimes life experiences that you go through will shake your faith. And listen to this. If it's the kingdom, it can't be shaken. If it's the kingdom of God, it cannot be shaken. If it can be shaken, it's not the kingdom. That's something that you should pay real clo close attention to with your belief systems. If somebody can say one thing and it shakes it, it wasn't the kingdom. It may have been close, but it wasn't the kingdom. And I don't honor half-truths. I honor Jesus, who is the truth. So... Here's also something that you should realize. Paul actually spoke to this too after Moses and Elijah were on the mountain. He actually spoke to this too. You remember when Paul said this? He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God brought the increase. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen, this is so good. So neither the one who plants or waters is anything, but only God who brings the increase. What is he saying? 
What is Paul trying to say? Don't look at me and don't look at Apollos. Look at Jesus. It goes on to say that a, that a worker should be paid for his wages. That's what Paul is saying here. He's like, yeah, these people are going to give their time. Pay them for what they do, but do not look at them. One man planted, one man watered, but God brings the increase. If you are looking at scripture, Moses can water, Elijah can water, but they are nothing because God only brings the increase. You can only see Jesus when you're looking for him in the Old Testament. If not, you'll miss him. Last thing. Number three, Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus, number one, is the interpretation of the Bible. The Bible does not interpret Jesus. Jesus interprets the Bible. The Bible reveals Jesus. Jesus is then our interpretation. Right? It's not... We read the Bible and we are looking for an interpretation. No, you're looking for Jesus and he will show you what this says. Listen, the propensity we have to ask about others except Jesus when we read the scriptures shows us our willingness to build a shrine to others such as Moses and Elijah. I'm going to say that one more time. When you're reading the scriptures, that little place in your heart, and we all have it, including me, the propensity we have to ask what this is saying as it pertains to Moses and Elijah still reveals a place in our heart that is willing to build an idol to someone other than Jesus. When you were reading the scriptures, Jesus is what God has to say. I read this earlier about Moses and Elijah when reading the Old Testament. Here's what you have to know. Jesus, I'm going to show you how to kind of read this in the Old Testament. I'm not going to go to the Old Testament, but I'm just going to show you some things really quick and then we're going to be done. Jesus is not like Moses. Jesus is our better Moses. Jesus is not like Moses. Jesus is our better Moses. You ever read Exodus 14? Exodus 14 when they're fleeing Egypt and Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. They cross the Red Sea and all of that good stuff. Y'all familiar with that? Jesus is our better Moses whose words soften Pharaoh's heart instead of harden them. The reason that the Egyptians were drowned was because the words that Moses said to Pharaoh hardened his heart. The words that Jesus says to us, those words soften us. They do not make our hearts hard. They make them soft. Jesus is our better Moses because he saves the Egyptians too instead of drowning them. 
Jesus is our better Moses. Jesus is our better Moses because he goes back into the bondage of Egypt. Into the dark bondage of Egypt. To save all who felt like that they could not follow Moses out. Jesus journeys back down into your bondage. When you feel like that there is no way. And he saves you in spite of your bondage. Instead of leaving you in Egypt. Jesus is the better Moses here. It was never God's will for the Egyptians to die. It was for them to be set free. And for, because their hearts were hardened, they drowned themselves. Listen. Where Moses drowns Egyptians, Jesus saves them. Where Moses closes the Red Sea, Jesus goes into the Red Sea. You know what the picture of this is in the New Testament? You're like, Cole, how do you know this? How can you see this? Look at what Jesus is. Literally, Jesus gets launched into ministry. The first thing that he does is he goes down into the waters of baptism he is resurrected. He comes up out of the waters of baptism. What immediately happens? The Spirit sends him in, into the wilderness to redeem Israel's failures. Because Moses was supposed to make it out of the wilderness and he never did. Jesus went to the wilderness and rejected all of the things that Moses was tempted to and resurrected his wilderness experience too. He didn't just resurrect Moses. He went back and made all wrong things right. And he doesn't just resurrect you. He comes back and he makes all wrong things right within you. Jesus is the better Moses. Yes, yes, yes. Exodus 14. Jesus is our better Elijah. How many of you are familiar with all of the stories about Elijah? One of my favorite things to just follow through the Old Testament. Super, super fun. I want to hit you with a few. Just to show you how to read this as it relates to Jesus. How many of you, how many of you know some stories with Elijah? You know some of them. How many of you know most of them? Most people, when they think about Elijah... They think about Elijah being called up, right? Chariots of fire and putting his mantle on Elijah. Jesus is our better Elijah. When Elijah gets called up into the heavens, he takes his mantle and he puts it on one man. Fast forward to Acts chapter 1. And when Jesus is called up to the heavens, he takes his spirit and puts it in all men. Jesus is our better Elijah. When you read the story of the stories of Elijah, there's two other really crazy stories that you see. The one is when Elijah is being chased by Jezebel. He goes and he takes a nap under a tree. And angels come and touch him to give him strength. 
He is in the middle of his most, he is in the middle of a dark place. He goes and he even prays under the tree, Lord, would you just take my life from me? I don't even want to live anymore. And this is what the story says. You've got to pay close attention to this. It says there was an angel who came and touched him and fed him. Come on, somebody. And gave him strength. Jesus was the one who came and touched him and clothed him and gave him strength in the middle of his depression. Jesus is our better Elijah. When you see Elijah that is going, there's a, there's a story where he is, he, God tells him to go east, hide in a cave, camp out by the brook because you need to rest. You are tired. You are worn out. You are depressed. And the Bible says this, the brook, you've got to move on. This is what it says. You've got to move on because the brook is going to dry up. Jesus is the brook that never runs dry. Jesus is the brook that allows the depressed person to stay and sit there and drink as long as they need to. Jesus is the brook that never runs dry. Jesus is our better Elijah. When reading the Old Testament, you can't just read it. You got to look for Jesus because he's all in there. I want you to stand to your feet. When reading the Old Testament, don't look for Moses, don't look for Elijah, look for Jesus. Don't look for you, look for Jesus. I want to pray with you this morning. And if you need to come down today and you need prayer for anything, we'll have a group of people down here um, for prayer. Also, if you have a, a team color on or jersey on, we're taking a picture after, so just stay around for that. Um, but in this moment, I want you to I want you to ask this question, and you may need to have someone come pray with you about this, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but I want you to ask this question. Jesus, I really want to see you. And I want, I want you to show me you. I want to see you. I want the veil removed. Jesus, remove the veil off of my eyes. That's the question that I want you to ask in this moment when they go into worship and all throughout this week. Jesus, take the veil off my eyes because I really want to see you. I want to pray with you. And then after I pray, you're welcome to come down here and get prayer. Or you're welcome to stay in worship. Welcome to go out in the lobby. You're officially dismissed after I get done praying. But I just want to pray together as a church family here this morning. So if you would, lift your hands to Jesus all over the room. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. Jesus, I am thankful that I get to see you. It is you. When we go up, when you call us away to come be with you, we don't take our idols with us. We only worship you. You are the son in whose voice we want to hear. Jesus, touch us in this moment. Do something in our hearts today. Leave us never the same again. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you this morning for this. You're officially dismissed. If you need to come down for prayer, make your way on down to the front. I love you and I will see you on Wednesday night.